I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, as always on Monday, is Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, I'm ready to watch Game 6 and hopefully be extremely wrong about my serious prediction. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this, this could be our last game of the Chris Paul-led Thunder team. Not, not that it's a for-sure thing. That, that this is the last time that we see him in a Thunder uniform. But it could be. I mean, this this iteration of the Thunder uh, hangs in the balance tonight. And they, they've they got some work to do. Uh, there's there's That's for sure. I think certainly on the coaching side, and we'll get into that, there is some work to do. Yeah, and very, very little time to pull it off because it's two days uh, and, and a couple of hours probably. So it will be tricky. I mean, for sure, the shooting component was extremely random in game five. So there is some randomness in that. There is some, I don't know what happened, uh, component that you don't solve by changing schemes. But and we were discussing this before uh, getting uh, on the pod. I mean, I couldn't remember how many trees Lutor took before game five. And yeah. when I watched the the results, I mean, eight in game one, six, well, in game two, sorry, six in game three, nine in game four, and nine again in, in game five. I mean, Lutor cannot take these many shots. Yeah, and that's, uh, especially yeah. not in an in an upward progression, <laughs> like uh, no. As a coaching staff, you should at least try to to find different ways. Either you really did try, and there's no way around it. You live and die with Ludor trees, or or you should really try to do something because nine trees is. It's not even fair to Lou Dort, like to no. that he has to be the guy that saves you, and <laughs> or or I mean I, yeah. I I if he goes zero for ten tonight, I swear I will never complain about Lou Dort because that guy, that guy is awesome. He's playing mm-hmm. like some incredible defense. He gave them he gave them a chance to 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 play game. Game five and game six with his defense from James Harden, yep. he did that. So no matter how he he shuts the ball, I don't I don't really care. But I mean, I would love to see something different tonight. Tonight, where he screens for others, where he does different things. Um, yeah, he can take three or four threes. Like oh, that's yeah, fine. Sure. Like he needs to t- he sure. needs to take them. You're a wing. You have to take them. That's fine. Yeah, we just. So, 0 of 5 from Gallinari, 3 of 16 from Dort, 2 of 8 for Shea. That is not a failure on Lou Dort's part. Lou Dort isn't saying, give me the ball. The Rockets are saying, give him the ball, is what's happening. The Rockets are setting up their defense to say, 
give him the ball. And the Thunder are saying, okay. And they do it. That is a failure on the coaching staff and on the point guards to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's who it's a failure on. This is not a failure of Lou Dort. Because we know, everybody knows what Lou Dort is capable of. He is a really, really great defender. He can set good screens. He can pass it. He can even handle and drive a little bit. He's not mm-hmm. a shooter. He's never. Yeah. He's. He may never be a shooter. Maybe he will hit thirty-five percent of his threes how, how one of these days. Oh, okay. I mean, that's like that's a shooter, that's... shooter. Like he's not <laughs> Kyle Korver. I was just messing with you. I mean, I, I'm totally. <laughs> I mean, on... It's even hard yeah. to get Kyle Korver nine threes in a game. Yeah. You know, and you're giving him nine, and you know, I mean, he remains confident, which is good. But I wonder for how long. Yeah, I mean, how many times can you strike out? How many times can you clank a three and then still think next one's going right. in? Yeah. You know? Exactly. And yeah. so I worry about that. That's how this happens. This happened to Terrence Ferguson. This happened to Andre Robertson. Like, they start out like these exuberant young guys, and they're like, yeah, anything is possible here in the NBA. And... And then they just miss a ton of threes. People stop guarding them. People just don't. They disrespect them by not guarding them. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe they're right. And then you start to lose that a little bit. I I think that's natural. It's like a human reaction to it. And so if you continue to put them in positions to do stuff like that, then one, you're advantage Houston, period. Advantage yeah. Houston. You get Gallinari five shots. Advantage Houston. You get Shea Gilders Alexander eight shots. Advantage Houston. You give Lou Dort sixteen. Advantage Houston. You're giving the game yeah. away. You gave the yeah. game away. They absolutely did that, and it was it was a disaster on many levels. But, and I don't think Billy Donovan is a bad coach. I think he did a bad bad job in Game Five. I think it was one of the worst coaching performances that I've seen in a long time. It was it was very bad. They essentially handed over everything to Houston and said, okay, we'll we'll make our, our non-shooters beat you. Great. Houston yeah. is celebrating. They're celebrating every time he shoots the ball. And that's not Lou Dort's fault. That is not his fault at all. Yeah. Um, I'll try to put some a little bit of perspective on two things that I think were incredibly important in game five and that are not entirely under the coaching staff control. First, the turnovers, like they had 18 of them. When you when you are so careless with the ball against a team like Houston, I don't think you have a chance either. I mean, the fact that they wasted a lot of those were in the first three quarters. I mean, I don't have the, or probably I can, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure this is right, but basketball reference is telling me that the entire number of turnovers that they have was basic. No, that's not right. The sum is not working. Seven in the first half, uh, then another seven, nine in the in the in the, in the third quarter. So yes, so in in three quarters they basically had the entire number of turnovers mm-hmm. in three quarters. That 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 is not sustainable. Uh, it's really bad. And on the top of that, during the series, I advocated a lot to do one thing, 
um, I probably only in my mind, but hopefully also on Twitter, to let Covington beat you from three. And and he did. <laughs> he, he took 11 threes. Um, a lot of those were open, but I would say a good half of those were contested, semi-contested. And he was horrible throughout the entire like playoff series. And last on game five, he was incredible. And these things are completely, well, not completely, but somehow out of your control. It like Covington going six out of eleven. It's like Ludor three out of nine. And if Ludor hits the first yep. two trees, the game is different. The game is mm-hmm. much much different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like that. But you're right. I mean, you have to be better because if in game four he hits three and takes nine, you should look, as a coaching staff, you should be terrified by the fact that you won just because Lou Dort hit three threes. And you need to do as much as possible to limit those uh, threes and to make Lou do other stuff when he catches the ball. Yeah. Just just do an handoff. Just do a dribble handoff. Uh, be ready to, to to do stuff like that, like to go towards Chris Paul and to screen for him when the defense is moving towards you. Something like that. You have to do something, at least to variate, to to give yourself a chance to to be, to, to give Houston another look, and maybe they will react in a different way. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. Jamal Murray. I know he heard this ad before. Didn't think he heard it in the first few games. He's definitely heard it because he knows that he wants to help out Manscaped because he wants to see your nuggets as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is a perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash-tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Their Perfect Package 3.0 with the new and improved Lawnmower Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer Performance boxer briefs. The performance boxer briefs, by the way, delightful. Wearing them now, very comfortable. And a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. The crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant. And the crop reviver is a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code at theathletic20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code theathletic20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code theathletic20. Take your grooming game to the next level. I don't think they're going to change the starting lineup, mostly because Billy said they're not going to change the starting lineup. <laughs> and... I think it's a mistake. I think that at this point in the series, I mean, this could be the last Thunder game tonight. This could be it. To me, you start small, and you have Lindor as your screener. Yeah. I mean, start Schroeder in in place of Adams. Yeah. 
No, you... no, no. I, I would, I would try with the starting like the the three point guard lineup if I were yeah. Billy. At least you know that that works. Yeah, to some degree. I, I still would like to start small and use Dort as your screener and try to not dig yourself a hole, right? Because mm-hmm. they're they've done yeah. that every game. Is that they've had to dig themselves out of this hole. I think if you start small, you're not going to do that. And if Ludort's your screener, then you open up shots for Gallinari and for Shea, which is what you're trying to do, yeah. right? And so start small. And then I would just play I would play seven guys, if I'm being quite honest. Maybe eight. Yeah. And and bring Adams in off the bench and bring Baisley off the bench. And that's it. And that's this it. year. Yeah. I mean, who else who else off the bench deserves to play? Uh I don't know. I mean my point in starting the three point guard lineup is not just playing more than seven guys. It's just you start with your offense first lineup. Um you try to give Houston a punch immediately with your offense. And then after six minutes, you just do the door for Adam sub. And then you try to give another punch by having a small lineup. And then you you start working your way to maybe Baisley and Gallo. And then you can bring back Adams. And like, I know that it sounds very, very interesting to, to start small. But I don't know if... Like, what happens if you go super bad? Like I, I don't know. I I would not do that. I, I have numbers. Think it's too risky or what? I mean I think what's I the trust risk? the three point guard lineup to be successful. Yeah. And it is my best lineup. And it always have been Is it the best lineup the entire... against Houston? Like it's definitely the best lineup, but is it the best lineup against Houston? It is a very good lineup to start with, I think. Yeah. Because it's it's solid. Um you know that it will work and and you know that, like, Steven, it's been a while since Steven started off the bench. And to me, like, with Schroeder, like, for Dennis, starting it will not be a problem. For Steven, I don't know. I, I, I would be worried about some consequence, about Steven not starting the game right away. Um, I think that Steven gives his best results at the beginning of the game. So I don't yeah. want to take away that. Because it was okay. the only thing that was working at the beginning of the game. Like Steven mm-hmm. being aggressive on the boards. And so I would prefer to that. play in four minutes, five minutes, and then yeah. just, just sub in door and then see what happens. Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, they have to. They just have to start games better. You can argue like, oh, they'd rather get a better defensive start. Yeah. Well, they haven't. Haven't done that. This lineup just doesn't play well yeah. together. It hasn't played well together against Houston. And it doesn't mean like it couldn't work against another team, but this Houston team is just very unique in the way they play, and so you just can't you can't do it all. And your in your offense just cannot survive unless Chris Paul or Shea or Gallo are ready to go off. And certainly in Game yeah. Five, they were not. No, no, they weren't. And and Houston was very. It was much better. In terms of energy, they were just flying around like in game one and two. I think I really think that the extra day of rest 
or maybe not. I don't know. We we are, we are not there. But they looked tired in game five, yeah. in game four. They weren't in game five. Maybe they will be again in game six. I don't know. But, but sure enough, I mean, the effort that Okisi put into the defense needs to be much, much better tonight if they want to have a chance uh, to win. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'm sure that Houston will will just take 53s and, and play good, maybe not great defense. And so it's up to Okisi to do something different tonight. And you're right. I mean... I don't really understand when, like, what is the point of starting a lineup that doesn't work? I know that the Dort is the best defender on Harden, but still, even when you have the best defender on Harden, unless you have all the shooters, this is not going to work. So as you said, either you play the shooter from the beginning and live with the uncertainty of Adams having to... to to start uh, his play like middle way through into the, the first quarter, or you just play your best five guy guys mm-hmm. and, and, and see what happens. Because if, yeah. the, if the three point guard lineup fails at the beginning of the game, you are cooked, you are done. There's nothing else you can do. If that lineup doesn't work, I mean, you're done anyway. Today's episode is brought to you by untitled community service club. If you like comedy, you're going to love this fully improvised comedy show. Nothing is planned. Everything is made up on the spot, from the characters and their personalities to the entire storyline as a whole. The show follows Coach and Sid, who are two former high school bullies, and their transition not only to college life and what that entails, but also to become better people. Each episode features a unique guest that Coach and Sid try their best to help in any way they can. Season 1 airs September 1st, and you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. That's the Untitled Community Service Club. Take a listen on September 1st if you want a real good laugh. And Billy likes to talk about rim protection for this team. And they have done just about as bad as you can do at protecting the rim in this series. I mean, you look at the percentages at the rim for their top six players. Robert Covington, 80% at the rim. P.J. Tucker, 67% at the rim. Eric Gordon, who has gotten to the rim a lot more than he did in the regular season. 71% at the rim for Eric Gordon. Yeah. 73% for Jeff Green. 69% for Daniel House. And almost 90% for James Harden. Now, James Harden hadn't gotten there as much, but he's shooting 90% when he gets there. Yeah, there's no help. Oh, we're going to play big. We're going to protect the rim. I haven't done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a problem. It's a problem if you can't cause them to miss. I mean, they're hardly missing any shots at the rim. It's a problem. Yeah. They are so scared about lowering the percentage on their three-point attempts. Yeah. Um, It would be interesting to understand how much of a difference of a difference it makes uh, to be one fit closer to the player? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we don't have this data. I mean, at least we don't have reliable data on that. Like how much you can test it. Are you um, inside like the the old um, contested advantage sport had was inside three feet with your hand raised? Yep. That matters. We know for yep. sure. But mm-hmm. when you are not in position to be that close, 
and and with these defense, this kind of defense, you, you almost never uh, are that close. Mm-hmm. Then what's what's the difference between staying six feet away or five and a half or five or four and a half? We're we are in those in that in between where if you can make a step, you're close enough to to do a mile contest, but it's not really a contest because that position being in that position means take away taking away a drive, mm-hmm. and then. Because when they drive at the rim, it's it's really 1.4 points per, per possessions. Because you don't yep. have the second line of defense. Because as soon as you bring the help defender, it's ball in the corner every single time. Yep. There is no, no, um, like they are very decisive. Houston will not spend a split of second thinking, well, maybe he's helping, but I'll drive anyway. No, no. James Harden. James Harden that can probably take Adams and and still getting a basket there. He never takes a contested lineup, at -hmm. least not in this series. Yeah, he had He's been turning him down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is the focus. So you know that they will play it that way. So Mm -hmm. what is the counter? Maybe, and I'm not sure because, I mean, um, I'm just out ideas, maybe try to understand in terms of numbers, what if I stay one feet away? Just one feet away. Especially from non-shooters like Covington, like uh, Jeff Green, like I Russell mean, Eric Westbrook. Gordon is a non-shooter and, at this point. Well, even if you want to, to, to be a little bit more close to, to, to him yeah. rather than compared to Jeff Green, you can. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, just even even James Harden like you know that the spot up shooting is not his is not the, the thing that he will do like yes if he's wide open he will probably take it but if you are right there maybe like 5 feet away he will probably try to take a dribble and take a step back, a step back anyway because this is mm-hmm. what he does so mm-hmm. i would love for them to play a little bit more conservative in game 5 i know in game 6 i know that is if they hit it's going to be brutal like really but what's the alternative yeah. if they hit 70 percent of their shots at the rim you're going to lose anyway you'll lose yeah air gordon do you know yeah. he's shooting from three in this series 25 19 percent oh wow 19 he's shooting almost 40 percent of I his shots from three. by the way he's yeah, he's not shooting that bad, Covington. I expected a little bit less. Instead, he's shooting in the 40s. Yeah. So probably yeah, that 6 out of 11 three. is not, yeah, not that mm-hmm. unexpected um, yeah. for him to, sh- to shoot 6 out of 11. Um, but yeah, I mean... To me, you just can't let Eric Gordon get to the rim like they have been. I mean, they have... Yeah. They've been giving him that advantage. He's taken it... All, he's taken a, a lot. He's taking a lot of shots at the rim. Almost 38% yeah. of his shots are at the rim. Yeah, that's too much. Uh, and this connects to the other point that we should make. Billy is not the one that says to Danny Schroeder, Shay, and Chris to play horrible defense. I'm sure of that. <laughs> this is true. Yes, yeah. he, could, he could put them in a better position by saying, well, if you have to pick between a drive from Eric Gordon and a tree, just pick the tree. I know that mm-hmm. it sounds counterintuitive, but if they shoot 60 trees, it's probably because they cannot drive as much. And in game three and game four, the drives were so limited compared to what they did in game five, game one, and game two. So in game three and four, they actually did that. 
they did a better defense on Harden, mainly because Harden now has some counters to, to Dort, and we can discuss that. But you have to be better. You just have to be better. If you're, yeah. if Eric Gordon can go by you every single time and you are Shea Gilgis Alexander, I don't care about lineups anymore. I don't care because you have at least to be with him. Just yeah. be there. Just not giving him like a completely wide open layup. That is what you have to do. Because yeah. like driving with no defender in contact with you is much, much easier. You, you just you it, it's not tiresome to, to, to just beat your man on your on the first step and and have not to worry about anything but putting your hand in the right place when you when you perform the layup the layup. So they have to be much better tonight. Um otherwise again we can we can discuss lineups every day. And and probably this is what Billy thinks. Yeah, they are not playing the best defense. If they do play great defense, they have a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Shea has yeah, been he, he pretty still, bad defensively. He could still on the help f- them with a tweak here and there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he could. Shea has been really bad on defense throughout the whole series, and yeah. he's he can be better. I think that he's he's thinking a little bit too much. I think you can see that. And this this Houston team makes you think. Because they are so different, and they play so differently. Mm-hmm. But it, he needs the game had felt like it slowed down for him a little bit, and now it feels like it's sped back up again, uh, which is okay for a second year player in the playoffs for the first, for, I guess, for the second time. But uh, still, he has he's got to be better if this team is going to survive and and get to a game seven, which is certainly possible. Tonight, I mean, this Thunder team has shown our, our resiliency mm-hmm. throughout the whole season, and so yep. I, I think that will be—it's going to be key. The defensive end is going to be key, and then offensively, they've—they have got to start to get some shots that they want to get, and they've got to get to their spots, yep. and they've got to screen yep. in the right way, and they've got to use Dort in the right way. Dort sitting out there on the wing—I'm sorry, guys—you can't do that every possession. You just can't do it. It's, you're going to screw yourself over every single time if you do that. Uh, positive. A positive from this whole series to me is Darius Baisley has been the legitimately good in this yeah. series. Uh, he shot the ball well from three. He looks really confident. Uh, he's been a really good rebounder, and he will grab and go, which has been, to me, it's it's been something that's helped. It's been why he's been impactful on the offense, even if he's not shooting the ball well, is that he's able to grab it and go and put pressure on the defense. And it's something that we've talked about and emphasized over and over again. And he's he's been good, and he's been helpful to this team. Uh, the numbers aren't quite there to, to back it up, like lineup-wise, but I think you can see that, and some of that's a part of that's so who he's playing with. But uh, I'm, I've been impressed with him, and I think that he's... He's probably, I mean, he's in a much better spot than I thought he would be. I mean, last summer, mm-hmm. there was just no way I would have thought, one, I wouldn't have thought that this team would be in the playoffs, and two, I wouldn't have thought Darius Bates yeah. would be. I mean, he's, outside of Schroeder, he's the key contributor off the bench. Yeah, him and Noel. Um, I know that Noel sounds uh, not great, but in this series, you, after game one and two, he wasn't so bad, but yeah, but basically, I mean, basically is doesn't look like a rookie. 
especially mm-hmm. a 20.2 years old rookie like uh, cleaning the glass yeah. says. Um, so barely 20. I mean, a guy like that, that can be so consistent in what he does. It's it's impressive. And he's hitting the shots. I mean, that doesn't seem a fluke. It doesn't seem some random um, stuff. It just seems comfortable mm-hmm. with that shot. And, I mean, if that is true, I mean, Fred Katz says, in in one of our chat our discussion if he if the shot if the shot is real i'm i'm ready to buy and i do think that we have a pretty compelling case because it looks good it looks the same every time it can even be a little bit more like um i don't know so daring i don't know daring and and taking a step back every now and then i mean those things are not there by in a random way. It it really mm-hmm. seems consistent. And the defense, it's there. I mean, the lineup numbers are something to monitor because at the end of the day, you want lineups with Basley on the court to be effective. And it's not like that as of today. But but for sure, these playoffs and this bubble told, told us a story that Basley might be ready to be the starter for next season uh, on a mm-hmm. very bad team. But still... Um, there are guys that if you think about playing them 35 minutes, you say, wow, what will I, I have no idea what will happen <laughs> on the court. I'm speaking about yeah. Hami mainly. Um, oh, boy. Basley, yeah, that's, yeah, that gives me anxiety. Think about 35 minutes. Basley, <laughs> yeah, you can see them being, yeah, okay. He didn't play bad. He didn't screw up in these 35 minutes. Maybe someday we'll hit even like three or four trees and, and stuff like that. He'll have ups and lows like every young player. Uh, but it is not bizarre to think about him as a starter for next season. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't think so. And he's he's somebody that can like really put up some stats if you give him mm-hmm. the minutes and the, and the shots. I mean, he could he could be a, close to a double-double type of player with the way that he's rebounded in this series. Mm-hmm. Like, it wouldn't shock me. To, to see him at like a pretty significant point total and rebounds. Like, I mean, what is he? Per 36, which is not the best way to look at things, but uh, 13 points, 14 boards in this series yeah. per 36. Yeah. And so can he keep the energy up in 30, 35, 36 minutes? I, I, I don't know. I mean, these guys, he's playing short bursts, so he knows he can go all out on the boards and he can do all this, but... Uh, it's at least a good sign. I mean, it's better. I mean, his his per thirty six. I mean, <laughs> you compare like he and Adams have essentially the same rebound percentage. Wow! And which is pretty pretty remarkable. Sad, or sad, sad. very <laughs> or sad. sad. Yeah, it is because I mean it is a little bit sad because I you would have hoped that Stephen would have would have been a little bit more impactful in this series to this point but yeah. uh he hasn't he's 11 and 11 you know he's a double double that's great but at this point in his career you would have just you, he's got the potential to be a guy that can average 16 and 13 and that's there yeah. the talent is there yeah. yeah but for whatever reason i haven't been able to figure out how to how to get that out of him never ever even if we hoped, I hoped probably too many times that he could be uh, better offensively. But um, 
But yeah, um, just not to depress every listener. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I really think, I, I really, really think that you should look at this season in t- taking into account everything that happened. Oh, and if yeah. you look from October to now, how can you not picture this season as an incredible success? Like even even if you look at game five and, and say, well, Shea was bad. Yes, he was bad also in game one, but he was awesome in game three and game four. Like mm-hmm. really awesome. And like if you have a guy that in October, no one thought about him as a generational piece. Like you have a, a guy that is 21, 22, whatever, that is leading a team in the playoffs and he has been very good against a team that has James Harden on. This is good news, like extremely good news. Of course, if we lose in six, it sucks. We all know that. It's it's not great to lose, but but it was not about that this season. It was about different things. And every possible thing went well. Like the value of Schroeder in October was so mm-hmm. low that we were oh, we yeah. were thinking, wow, maybe we get a second rounder. A second mm-hmm. rounder? Now I want the first. Same with Chris mm-hmm. Paul. Same with that. Well, Danilo, maybe it's the only one that basically took his value and, and keep it at that level, which is extremely important for a guy like Gallo. So everything oh, yeah. that could go well in terms of asset protection, in terms of results, because, Andrew, if I suppose that in October I tell you, well, would you put a, your, would you ink for a season where OKC gets out in the first, in the first, um, uh, round of the playoffs against Houston playing pretty well basketball, like okay basketball. Mm-hmm. You would have say yes immediately or yeah. probably ask for an ambulance for me because there was no way that you thought <laughs> back then that we could actually give Houston fits. Yeah, no, there's, there's no way. And also you have to look at, look at it through the lens of the Thunder traded their two best players not it wasn't their choice per se but now you look at it and you're like oh okay because it it felt like the thunder had two alpha dogs on their team and it turns out that they've got Mm -hmm. two second bananas they had two second bananas on their team right like what do you like what can you really accomplish in this nba when you have guys that are really on Good, good teams, the second best guy. Because that's what they are. That's what Paul George has proven to be. That's what Russell Westbrook has proven to be. And so, to me, it is, I mean, what Paul George did at the time felt like a stab in the back. But what he did was like the best thing for the franchise. Because you look at these teams, even like Jamal Murray, like Jamal Murray is like emerging as as like a, a real guy. And not like the Deontay yeah. Burton type of guy. He's he's a star. I mean, he's an yeah. absolute star. I don't know that Paul George has it in him to give this team a fifty piece more than once in a in a series. <laughs> you know, I don't know that that's yeah. in him anymore. Him and Mitchell and, are just just oh. stupid. They they're just playing stupid basketball. They they, they cannot hit like that. Yeah, that's it's, it's been that was so much fun last night. Uh, but for the Thunder to to get what they got for essentially two like one Bs, 
is astonishing. Yep. I mean, to have the, the future that they have ahead of them, when you already have Shea, and then if you're Preston, you connect on the, the Lou Dort signing, you connect on the Darius Baisley pick, which at the night of the draft, everybody had no clue who he was. But like, I think that this is yeah. a... I think all signs point to this was a good pick for them. Yeah, I mean, it is... It's astonishing what they were able to do and the future they have ahead of them. And we have to keep that in perspective because this season, the mindset heading into the season was, oh, whatever happens, happens. So, anyways. Uh, I got to wrap up. Michele, thanks for coming on the show. Hope uh, People need to follow you on Twitter because you're very smart and you make people smarter than their fans. So, at Mikey Barra. Follow me on Twitter, Andrew K. Schlecht. Hope you guys enjoy the game tonight. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk and also leave us an, an Apple Podcast five-star review. Click on, click on the Purple Podcast app, search Down to Dunk, hit five stars. I would very much appreciate that. Also, happy birthday to the L-Man. It's Luke Stevens' birthday. Make sure you guys wish him a happy birthday on Twitter. Make sure you check out the funny video that I posted. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.